should say, a great honor to uh, be sitting here this evening. Standing, waiting, I said to Rory, it just looks like they're pre- preparing for somebody really important. <clears throat> Many years have passed since I've uh, sat in a position like this in this particular uh, community. And uh, I'd like to maybe begin to just give a, a brief history. I don't want to go into a lot of that. There's more relevant things to uh, spend time with, but <clears throat> you may have heard that uh, about 35 years ago, this uh, young man over here, they call now call uh, Ajahn Amaro, was uh, the young Jeremy Horner coming into uh, Wat Bananachat in Thailand and had a T-shirt and an earring and longish hair. I remember the t-shirt distinctly. It was this camel cigarette t-shirt. It was all torn up. He comes up to my seat at the, uh, this for, uh, yeah, Western Monastery in, in Thailand there. And he says, Hi, I'm Jeremy. As I'm just passing through. Says, okay, Jeremy. So I greeted Jeremy and gave him a few of the guidelines about staying, of which one was if you stayed for any longer than three days, you must shave your head. So I think about two days later, I don't remember exactly, so young Jeremy comes back into the sala and his uh, head was red, not his hair, his head. So he had decided to uh, give a go at shaving his own head. And uh, so he was kind of a bloody mess, but he made a good effort. And he says, yeah, I think I'd like to stay on for a while. So thus began the career of the Venerable Ajahn Amaro. And now, uh, many years later, our roles are reversed. And the day that I left, March 5th, 1991, which is 21 years and however many days, months and days since March 5th of this year, the, uh, I believe it was on the morning uh, after morning puja that I had left it, he uh, made this uh, aditana, which is like a, a vow or a resolution. He says, I, as long as I have life and limb, that I will uh, support my friend Prabhakaro Joseph in his life. And so he made a veritable lion's roar in his support for me. And to this day, he's been uh, true to that support, although we um, don't have uh, frequent contact. We have uh, intermittent, but the closeness in any, as in any relationship that one develops is incredibly um, powerful uh, and seeing friends, uh, old friends uh, on this trip, that uh, it's, it's, the meeting is, is brief and then the connection is there. So there's a, a timeless connection to good, noble friends, to two for true friends 
uh, which another is the uh, former venerable Ajahn Santajita, one of my brothers in arms from Thailand of the early days before uh, Ajahn Amaro, where we spent uh, many a day and night and uh, remote places and went through a lot together in the uh, early years and the Nanachat years, which was the foreign monastery, and then years here as well. So it was lovely to see him and uh, and to have my wife Catherine here this evening. Ajahn Chah used to joke about monks leaving. He <coughs> said that, yeah, these monks want to go and get a wife and take their, their wife to Nirvana with them. <laughs> oh. So here we sit this evening uh, as uh, uh, brothers and sisters in our human condition and that uh, through this very short uh, weekend we have uh, had an opportunity to address some very pressing issues of our uh, human condition uh, and that, uh, these are the issues of uh, having bo been born we are subject to uh, aging, illness, and ultimately death. And these are really pressing questions and pressing um, reflections for us because none of us are uh, free of these things. Although it seems that at times uh, science and uh, a lot of uh, high-thinking individuals still believe that somehow we're going to find some uh, magic bullet or pill that we'll be able to dry freeze ourselves or something and then in a thousand years or however long it takes to you know come back I always find it quite humorous that I don't know at what point you don't want to freeze yourself but I would think it would be somewhere around maybe 35 or so 30 35 and uh, so then it would have some chance of uh, having some uh, a reasonably uh, healthy body uh, to uh, carry on to your eternal life as a, in, a, in a physical form. But of course most of us can <clears throat> realize that these are probably absurdities and uh, if we thought differently it's most like, uh, quite likely that you know, none of you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here this evening. <clears throat> so I don't know how people are doing with the, uh, the themes and the subjects that we've been discussing, but it's the, uh, our, our deep intention of the uh, uh, group of uh, presenters and have w that we're meeting far before uh, I came and discussing how to the format and everything to really make this an interactive uh, um, retreat and more of a seminar, really seminar kind of flat stroke retreat and uh, so far it's felt like there's been good participation, but certainly this evening I would like to uh, encourage that we uh, only have a day left and uh, for those that have not, had not had in the small groups, maybe have had a chance to uh, express some of your uh, concerns, questions, and that if uh, you feel it's beneficial to the uh, larger context of the group to most certainly uh, come forward to 
not be intimidated by those of us that may have a little more comfort and experience of speaking uh, in front of a group of people. Certainly for you know, Ajahn Amaro, uh, Santachito, uh, myself, those that lived with Ajahn Chah, we were given or, or really trained in this great gift of being able to uh, or encouraged to get up in front of a group of people and to trust our hearts, to speak from our hearts. And uh, I believe in my heart that it's not dissimilar to how the Buddha taught. I certainly know that's how Venerable Ajahn Chah taught, that he didn't come up with a pack of notes and kind of looking around and checking in things and deciding what to say, what to offer that the offering was very much a, a, the spontaneity of the moment and the appropriateness of the moment, what uh, the uh, people that were sitting uh, or that had come uh, needed to hear. And so in that spirit, uh, I'd like to uh, say that in, in my experience that your participation, just sitting and listening, it's as much as me sitting here and speaking, so that your uh, your uh, the way that you hold and listen and uh, open your hearts as best as you can to uh, listen to uh, the offerings, and uh, so it, it is an offering. It's an offering of reflection, things for your consideration, never things to that uh, uh, trying to force you to uh, believe or uh, compel you to. Uh, you know, come and uh, uh, become a, a monk or a nun, shave your head, but to uh, an opportunity to reflect and consider more deeply the human condition and our human predicament. Ajahn Chah's brilliance was really in being able to to do this and to uh, speak from his heart and from the simplicity of the moment rather than complexity or from deep uh, book learning to really speak from the, the heart of, of, of experience. And uh, I'm sure that m- most of us here have had that experience where when we connect we, we feel or we say we really connected that we connect on a level of, of that certain barriers are broken down, an element of trust arises, and then we connect, uh, and we're willing to uh, be somewhat vulnerable. And it's in our vulnerability that we can connect, because if we're not willing to be vulnerable and willing to share from a deeper place, then we tend to be at this very superficial level and just uh, like what's very popular in this country is to talk about the weather. And uh, in America, it's popular to, you know, bash either uh, President Obama or the most likely uh, candidate Mitt Romney, uh, or you know, some other frivolous kind of unimportant thing. So the our, our conditioning is really not to speak at a more at a deeper level, uh, and and what's the the contrast? Having lived in Thailand for 13 years of my monastic life, and then the other seven years, last seven years here, is the that how the how the culture is so different in the attitudes that they have towards 
uh, aging, illness, and death, uh, that it's seen as a part of life, as, as nature. So they, they say, you know, Kwam Gurk Ben Tamada, Kwam Gab Ben Tamada, Kwam Gep Ben Tamada, Let Kwam Thai Ben Tamada. So which translates that birth is normal, that aging is normal, that illness and getting sick is normal, and that dying is normal. So it's just it just permeates through the society that this is normal. I mean, what else do you expect? That that because of birth, we've inherited aging, uh, illness, and ultimately death. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's part of nature. It'd be like going around and 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 kind of uh, ranting and raving or wailing and and having remorse over the trees losing their leaves or the oak trees out that you know, walk in the countryside and they leave these lovely oak trees that are dead but they're they're very beautiful because they they uh, they, they hold this kind of wonderful shape even though they're no longer producing fruit or or leaves and so we accept that part of nature but for some reason, we have difficulty in accepting uh, oneself as part of nature. And, and the reason, very simply, I believe, is that we have not had that training or that conditioning or that encouragement. Uh, everything is geared towards uh, youth and uh, to have, to accumulate, and to try to fight nature. So uh, it, it's as futile as like, especially here in England, to go out and try to fight the weather. Like, you know, be upset that it's rained and then be upset, well, I like the rain, but now the sun's out. And then you like the sun and then the rain comes back and it's so changeable. And life is very much like that, isn't it? It's, it's very changeable. Our moods and, and mind states are very, are very changeable. And yet that's, that's the way things are. He, uh, those of you who have heard uh, Lung Pa Sumedha, one of his favorite things in, in, of, the, of uh, defining Dhamma is that it's the way it is. This is the way things are. This way. Not that way, not that, this way, right? Now, how, how things are now. And so the beauty that, that Dhamma speaks to all of us in the here and now, so where we are in this moment, the age we are, the particular condition, circumstances that you and I find ourselves in. And so it's very important to reflect from that place rather than, well, I want to be here, I want to be there. Rather than be here, I want to be there, I want to be somewhere else, I want to be something else. And, and so the, the encouragement is to, is to take stock of where we are right now. And, and that's quite simple. So how, how does it feel to be in this body uh, this conditioned existence right now. So for me, at, uh, at 64, uh, it's not as pleasant as it was at 44. And, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, 34 was even more pleasant as far as a physical body, although as a celibate monk, I had a lot of you know, restlessness and young monks uh, struggle with their you know, testosterone and their energy and you know, get kind of whacked all over the place so the body's in good shape but then the mind is all messed up because we're struggling with all these um, uh, entanglements and desires and and wants and and so there's this this conflict is set up that we we, we kind of struggle with and yet through that struggle through that uh, kind of enduring uh, patiently just being with things as they are 
uh, a great deep uh, sense of uh, being able to bear up to what it is to be a human being. My 13 years in Thailand were pretty much just bearing up to uh, a, a, a hot, sweaty, uncomfortable body, and that I was always sweaty, and there was always some kind of irritation uh, through either a mosquito or some kind of bug, or the uh, the noises in the uh, in the local village, which even though you'd be living in a remote place, that they had these medicine men that would travel around and sell these uh, things, and they would play this incredibly loud music. And of course, Thailand's very flat, so you'd be in, in the evening in your peaceful little hut, and then ah, all this music would come on and kind of destroy the the, the quietude and solitude of uh, of the night or you're sitting and 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 that wasn't happening and and and, and like the 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 the, the, re, the um, reaction to the sound of a mosquito or two mosquitoes or a lot of mosquitoes and even when you're a mosquito net you still kind of cringe when you hear them all say you you mosquito or trying to get in because they want to eat you and, and, you know, there's nothing, they just, they're hungry like you and I are. They just wanted a wee bit of blood and they'd kind of go on. So, but one had to be careful with that because certain areas there was uh, malaria and things. It was foolish to like just let yourself get bit by mosquitoes. So then in our, our the, the, the condition that we find ourselves in here in, in a similar way, that we all have our the things that we have to endure, the, the, uh, just having a body and being human uh, comes with it, that it's, it's very demanding. Uh, just think a body, just look at the bodies around you. So here's, this is a, you know, this bunch of bodies sitting in this room. And, you know, there's male bodies and female bodies. And then there's youngish, and then there's oldish, and there's older, and there's younger, or, and then there's uh, what w someone would say, or look and say, oh, that's attractive, or he or she's attractive, and, and he or she is not attractive, and, and they like her a lot, don't like her. So then we start to kind of break down the bodies and judge them, and then start to put values on them, and, and like, oh, I'd like to get to know him, like uh, Rory very uh, boldly and courageously shared about his experience on a retreat. He's sitting there and quite happy on the retreat. There's an empty mat across there. Things are going to be a good treat. I'll say, wham, there's this good-looking young woman that now it totally changes his perception of the treat. So now he has something to work on other than maybe his aching knees. And so a big, a big challenge is, you know, kind of punched him in the belly. But we, what we, what, 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 what each of us tends to do, and what I find myself certainly doing, is that through our senses we're constantly identifying and 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 judging, like I like, I don't like, I want, I don't want. So pushing and pulling things in, in constantly from us. Then when we begin to turn inwardly and look at the condition of our, uh, uh, the age we are and how we're experiencing, then we do the same things with uh, a particular uh, condition of our, of our bodies. So like uh, in some of the presentations talking like, well, we look in the mirror and it's like, well, it's not the, you know, the younger person that I was. The hair has changed, the face has changed. 
and society comes along and says, well, we can do something about that. You know, we can change the color of your hair. In America, of course, they, and I'm sure it's popular here, it is, is, uh, they have um, Botox. So people go and you know, get these injections, and you can tell, Catherine can always tell, she sees it, she says, he says, honey, look at all the Botox. And I said, well, how do you know? He says, their face doesn't move. It's just kind of perfectly, you know, and it's like this look that's, 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 that's nice, but then when it doesn't move, <laughs> it's all kind of injected with this stuff to kind of freeze it in place, you know? It's like a photo, isn't it? Like we like take a photo, when we look at a photo when we were young, it's, oh, I was really attractive then. And so we, we have this snapshot in time, so we want to kind of have a snapshot of ourselves, of this time and place when we were younger. And so the perception I like to have is the young Joseph, you know, the kind of virile, kind of strong, kind of take anything on, or the, you know, young Joseph as a soldier, or even the young monk who, you know, could sit, sit and do all the work and, you know, and, and get all this praise for being young and being, you know, strong and, and, and have a lot of vitality. And things, and, and so one tends to cling to these uh, kind of perceptions of ourselves. But life does not really allow us. If we, uh, if we, if you and I stop to listen or begin to listen and pay more attention to this condition, that we don't have to go far uh, to study uh, the, uh, the, the the Dhamma. We can study it right here, right now. It's here to teach us every day. So this body is a constant, uh, it's constantly pestering it, isn't it? It's, it's a bother. So just think about it, sitting here, since I've started talking, how many times have you kind of moved or fidgeted? Uh, how many times have you had to make an adjustment? And, and how long can you sit in that position before you have to kind of just, you know, move a little bit? And then we're going to sit, you know, and depending on how long I talk, and if I go more than probably 45 minutes to an hour, then I start getting fidgety. And I thought, Ajahn Amaro says, well, can I do the old style of Thailand and talk all night? And he says, up to you. <laughs> so if I got up to about two hours, and the smiles and the kind of the enthusiasm of listening to Joseph Kappel, the former Ajahn Prabhakro, would probably start to wane. And, and because the body would say, well, I'm tired, it's been a long day and I'm still rambling on, and then you'd be even more tired and, and, and more uh, kind of uh, not wanting to, to really sit here. And I'm sure at some point, even though I know uh, that the English are known for being very polite and, and very considerate, that at some point people would get up and leave. <laughs> and I, at the end, I would probably, if, if I could go that long, which I can't, but, so don't worry, uh, <laughs> I would be here talking to the wall. <laughs> But the point being is that there's always a demand. It's like, so the body, it needs to be fed, it needs to be watered, it needs to be rested, and all of these things, just to have a relative comfort. Uh, and, and so that, that it's, always, it's always teaching us. And as it gets older, like I had a hip, a total hip replacement uh, almost three years ago. And it was, wasn't something I really wanted to do. But the pain was so severe, it was impacting the quality of my life, that I had no choice, and it's much better. The pain is, is, uh, is pretty much gone. I have certain limitations, but uh, it feels quite good. Now my knees are killing me. <laughs> so the knees are next. 
And then now this hip starting to feel like this one did when it first started to bother me. So I'm sure I've got, you know, two more knees to get if I make it that far, and another hip, and then who knows what else I might get replaced. <laughs> and some of this is the, the, the blessing of modern medicine, that we can have these things and have a little bit more comfort. But um, we're not going to replace all the parts, and we're not going like, to trade them in and get a, like we can get a new, a new automobile, get the latest model with all the, the bells and whistles and the airbags and, and all the goodies and the iPod, and we can just push a button and say, well, let's see, let's go to King's Cross today, and they'll say, King's Cross, and off it goes to King's Cross. So the, the, the really the beauty of this is that it's it's so um, it's it's so apparent and it's so accessible. What we've been talking about here, it's so apparent and it's so accessible. So this is not this is not this is incredibly simple, incredibly accessible, yet as pr profound as you and I can imagine what we're, what we're talking about, this process of aging and understanding aging and understanding the human condition and, and why we're here. And so the, uh, that, that, that we have this opportunity. And the opportunity is not tomorrow. The opportunity wasn't yesterday. The opportunity is now. And the opportunity is always now because ultimately that's all that you and I have is the now. And, and so in the now is when we can, one can learn, one can deepen the reflection and deepen the investigation. So this is something that can be investigated and, and understood more deeply just by observing it and seeing it more closely. And so the encouragement is, is to investigation, to look more deeply, to look more closely. Well, what is this and why is this happening uh, with the conditioning our western conditioning is so much that that somehow that that we're getting old or you know we're not as young and beautiful as we used to be, be that somehow we you know we we got the we, we we drew the joker out of the deck of cards or uh we we got a a uh, you know a bad deal or the dice rolled and, and we got the, uh, you know, the, the dice that said, you know, or the Monopoly game, I don't know if they play it in this country, but, you know, go directly to jail, do not collect $200 and stay there. And, and, and that's, that's going to be the, the attitude. So that the more that, that you, you and I can reflect on that this is part of nature, then, then the easier it is to access, access and understand what this is about and understand that, that I am a part of this. And so the contrast again with, with say, Asia, that uh, I remember when I was uh, early on, the, the senior monk after Ajahn Sumedho first came here in 1979, I, I became the senior monk at the uh, Wat Nana Cha, the International Monastery. And the villagers were just lovely. These were like simple rice farmers and, and they were just great big hearts. They were very poor as far as uh, their material wealth, but they had incredible uh, big hearts and an incredible faith. And I think generally my memories are, I don't know about Santa Chitos, but generally they loved us and cared about us and they fed us every day, so they must have had some fondness for us. And so we got to know them on, on a personal 
level and their names and their families and and for Thais it's very important that well this is the niece and this is the nephew and this is the niece of the niece and the nephew of the nephew and the aunt of so on this is the great aunt and so this whole kind of uh, um, the uh, uh, family tree of all of all these folks and I remember this uh, one uh, elderly woman who was um, getting ill and, and getting close to death. And so the, the tradition would be that they would come to the monastery uh, every uh, on the moon phases, so the, the, the uh, half and quarter moons as well as the new moon and, and full moon days were what we called observance days, which I think many of you that come to Amarwati are, are familiar with. So where people would, that would be their, their holy day, where they would go to the monastery and practice, meditate, and spend the day. So this, uh, I think her name was Ma, Ma Pan, if I can remember correctly. And and so uh, she would be there one week, and then the next week she wouldn't. But when she'd show up, they had these these carts, you know, that they would go to the fields with, with their their uh, kind of their shovels and spades and things to go out and do gardens. And so they would put her in the cart and push her to the monastery, and she would come. And she, so if she was feeling up to it, she would come. And 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 so one day they push her in, and she kind of comes groveling over, and you know does her 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 bow, and I mean talk about you know bad knees and aching body. I mean I'm like the the prime of health to what she does, and and then I says, "You're still here?" She says, "Yeah, I'm still here. I thought I was going to die last week, but it didn't happen yet." <laughs> and it was just like you know, yeah, I just uh, you know I just recovered from, or I I I just uh, you know we went and and saw my. You know my my great aunt who's still alive in the next village over. So it was just like everyday talk. You know, yeah, I thought I was going to go last week, but I'm still here. Oh, it's lovely to see you back again, and and just a part of of the the comfort and and so natural. And uh, the, one of the village chiefs, Por Um, one week I asked him. I said, Well, doesn't she want to go to the hospital? You know, stay in the hospital. And he looks at me and he says, She said. She was here before the hospitals. <laughs> Why would she want to go to one of those? And, and, and it's, uh, it says something else again about our conditions. Like we want to put people in hospitals. We want to put them in homes. And in Asian cultures, and I know this is true, probably Sri Lanka, Burma, Laos, Cambodia, throughout many cultures, that that the elderly and the aging have a place in the home. They're not kind of cast aside. And just that in itself is this acceptance of, of uh, the, the, uh, our condition and the aging and ultimate death of, of, of uh, being, a, being human. Mm -mm. I'm wondering then uh, how people are doing because um, there's uh, uh, the subject matter we've been talking about uh, that has been uh, uh, reflected on and I think well chosen through a number of meetings that you know, I was not here to attend, uh, but this morning was on the um, uh, gift of loss. And I was reflecting on that and listening to the, the wonderful presentations 
and a, a gift of loss. And it's like, well, that can maybe rub one the wrong way, the, the gift of loss. Well, I don't see it as a gift. It's, it's pretty miserable. But I thought, well, you know what? If, if we're even talking about the gift of loss, then there's the assumption that we had so, you and I had something in the first place. So I had some possession. I was this that this was, you know, my husband, my wife, my aunt, my mother, my father. And so right there, we're, it's a setup, isn't it? You and I are already set up by the attachment that this is mine. This belongs to me. Therefore, when this changes, as it inevitably will, and passes away, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will change and pass away from me. Oh, no, 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 please, no. Don't let that happen. And yet it's, it's truth. So truth often kind of, it might like kind of come over us like a nice, you know, gentle wave in, the, in, in a tropical sea, or it might hit us like a, a, like a, a typhoon and, and knock us back, or you know, like a, a blizzard or something. But you know, truth has the flavor of, of, of really um, that it, 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 it can feel like something's forced on us. Yet, if I can soften to that, then there's this incredible uh, kind of opening and, and an embracing of, of what that is. So uh, I, I think it's interesting that the terminology that we use, well, I, I lost this. So the assumption, of course, is that, that there was ownership. And what do you and I really own? And what is mine? And what is I? You know, who's sitting here? Who owns the body that you're sitting with? You know? And, it, and, we, and, and, and we give it names and we give it different um, uh, definitions. But really, this is just a room full of bodies, isn't it? And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, uh, and, and these are, and, and, and then in, in Thailand, they would be even more direct and say, well, you know, here, here we are sitting, here's a bunch of corpses. Just the difference is these corpses are still living and breathing, and, and they have not yet died. Uh, Ajahn Chah used to, one of his lovely analogies was, and I'd pick up the glass that he was drinking from of tea or water, and he says, Gao ni tag lao, tag lao na. He says, this glass here, it's already broken. It's broken, but don't break it. Take care of it, you know, look after it. But then when it drops and breaks, you're, it was already broken, so you'd prepared yourself for its inherent brokenness. So it was a lovely analogy like, you know, this body here is already dead. Don't harm it, take care of it, respect it, do everything you can to nurture it and, and give it the best health that you can. But then when it starts to fail us, we won't be so surprised because you and I have already reflected on the glass. You know, it, it, it's useful, we use it, we take care of it, but it's not going to be as disappointing if we're prepared that inherent in it is its brokenness. And we can look at, at, at all of life. We can look at everything around us. You know, like this shirt here is already torn. You know, I'm quite fond of this shirt. I wore this color because it's kind of monk color, you know. <laughs> I thought it was the appropriate shirt to wear tonight. And I like these shirts with the pockets and the zips, you know, these kind of like 
um, cargo shirts and cargo pants, you know, they're quite popular. They're easy to travel with, they're lightweight and everything. But, you know, and the white ones never work because the white ones, I feel feel for the Anagari because Anagari cause that, you know, wearing white, I just, I don't do good with white, but I love these in white because they look nice when they're new, but very soon on, of course, they're, they're starting to stain and not look so white anymore. And and so everything that, that, that we have has that inherent in it. And of course, desire is always wanting to have it newer, better. At least uh, in, 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 in my mind, there's always kind of looking to the next thing, the new thing. You know, it's one of my things to want to kind of have things and have the newest and the latest. Not so much as, as to be greedy and accumulate, but I, I like to research and have, you know, nice things and put effort into it. Even when I was a monk, I'd, like when we learned to make uh, sandals out of tire, uh, tractor tire, I'd go out to the tire, tire cemetery and I would look for the best tractor tires. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and you know, sew robes, so you, you know, sew, sew the robes with the, you know, the best material that you could put together or the, uh, the best, uh, or bamboo for making these little stands that the monks and nuns put their bowls on, look for the, get an eye for the bamboo that was, you know, the best or the sturdiest that would last the long. And so it, it was a quality that I'm not ashamed of. It was a quality that, well, that I wanted to um, refine things and make them uh, long-lasting and, and, and so on. But, even it, but inherent in all that, of course, is this, this idea of change and transiency. And so in, in this conditioned existence, in all conditioned existence, uh, that uh, inherent is, in, in it is change. And so the challenge for, for each of us is to reflect and begin to penetrate more deeply, to, to deepen the, the, uh, uh, the, the reality of what it is to be a living, breathing human being. And again, the accessibility, the beauty of that is it's always here and now. Like when we chant the Dhamma, I think it's the, one of the loveliest chants. It's, it's, it's very simple. Is sanditiko akaliko ehipasiko opanatiko bhaktatang. So it's kind of a mantra. And those that haven't learned it, uh, you can use the English as well. So sanditiko, apparent here and now. Akaliko uh, is really timeless, without time, outside of time, or could even say eternal. Uh, ehipasiko is like inv- inviting, inviting one. Opaniko is leading inwardly, and then bhaktatang is to be experienced individually by the wise. So the Dhamma is always here and now. It's sanditiko, akaliko, ehipasiko, obaniko, bhajatang. So what is apparent here and now? What is obvious here and now? Well, I've been sitting for a while. I'm a little restless. Well, that's Dhamma teaching you and I. And now Joseph's been going on. Gosh, it's almost close to a good 30 minutes. I'm not sure exactly what time I started. And, and so, um, you know, how much longer I might start to think I'm tired or, you know, I get a shower tonight or um, uh, you want to go chat with somebody and, and he's still talking, you know. So there the Dhamma is teaching, you know, you know, that this is, this is, it's inviting you to see that I want things to be other than what they are, you know, that, 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 that I, I want to be, rather than be here, I want to be there. Or rather than to have this, I want to have that. 
Uh, rather than, you know, this older orange shirt, I wanted to buy a new one, but we didn't have you know, money, so Catherine wouldn't let me buy a new one. No, that's, that's, not, act- that's not actually true. <laughs> you know how that is in relationship, you know, who always controls the purse strings. Uh, that's not true. I haven't had this opportunity. I have to be a little playful, you know. Having my wife here is is, is quite a delight. So, um, but th- this 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 constant opportunity, and again the the uh, occasion to be in, in in a perpetual learning, because it's there's perpetual teaching. We are being perpetually have the opportunity to study truth in the here and now. Because the Dhamma is like, you know, akaliko is timeless. You know, sanditiko is apparent here and now. It's not apparent yesterday, or it's not apparent tomorrow. It's talking about now, this moment, this breath. You know, each inhalation, each exhalation, there's the opportunity to reflect, to consider, to look more deeply, and to understand, to penetrate. And, and with that penetration, with that understanding, that the burden that each of us carries can be lightened. That even though the body remains heavy and starts to have its illness and its ailment, that we uh, start to, to lighten that burden. Gajajan used to say, you know, Gai poi jai doi. So the body is sick, but don't let the heart be sick as well. So we can be uh, you know, sick and feel miserable, but if I'm sick, and I'm miserable, then I am miserable because I'm there. And when I'm doing it, then it's me, then rather than a body is sick. And that's hard. I'm not like saying that I, I can, you know, be ill and like I, I, I get terrible hay fever here. I haven't had it for years and I came prepared with antihistamines. And the first day it was cloudy and, and uh, I thought, oh, let's see what happens. And, and of course the sun came out. And then all of the pollens just there, just like clouds. You'd hit the, the grass in the field, it just, and then it just like hit me. And so I went for my medication, and, and so I'm not feeling too bad. And but I was like getting kind of anxious. Oh, am I gonna? Is the hay fever gonna really? The medicines won't work, and I'm not gonna have energy to help Ajahn on this retreat, and I'm not gonna feel like getting up and going out. And so that's all me. And rather than if I can just step back and say, okay, the, you know, the body is having these experiences and this, and I do the best I can to be with it, to reflect on it, to understand it, then it kind of uh, creates some space. And uh, they, they, uh, like one of the analogies that that Lumpur used to give Lumpur Cha was like, you know, the, uh, the, the there's like two types of suffering. He says, "There's it's, it's like being given an injection with uh, with poison, a poisonous injection, and so you know, like the needle going into the skin." He says, "That's that's everyday dukkha. That's everyday pain and discomfort. You know, that's that's natural. But then the suffering of attachment is then the poison going into the body, and then the attachment to the poison, the body being poisoned. That's the kind of the where you and I then." Come in and 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 make make it into something, make it me, make it mine. And uh, each of us here, I know, has had this experience where 
when we see that the deeper, the more deeply that 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 uh, that I'm attached to something or some someone, then the more elevated and 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 elated that can make me feel. But it, at the opposite, what is the opposite? If that thing changes, or or dies, or falls apart, then it's it's equal. The, the opposite is equal to the high. The low is is equal. So the higher we go, the further kind of we fall. So that the middle way, we're trying to find you know more balance to to um, go with the flow of, of life and the flow of things as as they uh, as they happen and unfold day by day. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity, and, and we've been talking about youth, and, and Ajahn Amaro's brought it up, and some others, and, and, and even though I have these aches and pains, and, and uh, the, the, the uh, you know, challenges of, a, of an aging body, uh, it's great to be 64. I mean, it really is, and I don't know if I'll say it's great to be 74 if I'm fortunate to make it, or at 84, or whatever. But I think it's the—it's not the great in like the number, but it's a great in the maturation. Like the last 21 years for me has brought me full circle. That I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not only delighted but incredibly honored to be here to have this opportunity. And uh, so when I had the anniversary of my disrobing, uh, I really started, okay, now I've had 20 years as a monk and now 20 years as a non-monk. Kind of what is next for me? What, what, is the, what does the universe have in store for me? And, and that I feel a, a, a lot of, of um, energy and, um, and find the right word, but I guess intentionality, if you will, to to want to be uh, more, to be have more opportunities to offer from my experience, because I think each of us, as as we get older, that we have a, a, a that there's a tendency that one wants to share, to mentor in some way, because each of us in our own way is is a teacher, has something to offer, has something to teach, has some goodness to impart uh, to our fellow human beings. And, and I think quite naturally that we want to do that. So just like being here supporting each other in the group and, and coming together in this way that we naturally want to hear from each other, to understand more deeply and, and realize that, oh, I'm not that unique and different as I thought I was, and it's kind of refreshing that, oh, that other people experience uh, similar things. They're lost. They feel the pain of loss like I do. Uh, and feel the the restlessness of just having a body, the uncertainty of whether we're going to have a job, or if you know the Americans and you know they get the Republicans back in office and they're going to start yet another war and you know eventually destroy the whole planet and all this kind of proliferation. But yet, if I take refuge in the here and now and the dumb of the here and now, then I can be prepared for anything, and and that that it will uh, help me to. That, that if I can create one, per, one person of, 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 of being relatively calm, at peace with uh, myself and the way things are, then that can influence at least one other person. Just like one person in a group of calm people can come in and just create panic in an instant by just saying, you know, like, fire. And even though it's not a fire, they can say fire. Everybody's fire starts running out. 
and and then and then somebody comes in, false alarm, and then everybody kind of oh, you know, it's like quiet. So the that the influence that that we can have on that level, just think of how much on a deeper level that that I can bring a a presence and a, uh, a um, an energy of relative calm, relative clarity into into a, a situation, and and in that sense, each of us are are teachers and have something to teach, something to offer. And, and, and so that challenge for me is like, well, taking responsibility. I think what you and I are truly afraid of is taking full responsibility for, for one's power, what I really am, what I'm capable of in goodness. Because we're certainly we know we're capable, we know human beings are capable of a lot of uh, badness, of evil, of destruction. But we're also very capable of, of creativity, of doing good things, of uh, rising up to the higher parts of ourselves to uh, bring people together to harmonize. And uh, it seems we live in a time that it's so that's so necessary because there's so many, uh, so so much conflict that uh, we live with and permeated within society and, and life these days. And it's very scary. I'm sure all of, the, all of you that are parents that they uh, how um, conditioned young people are with um, you know computers and uh, the whole computer revolution or generation and and not even um, uh, knowing how to interact in a civilized way anymore. Just kind of staring into a Game Boy or a whatever the, that it, they play. And it has a place, but if these things start to take over, then our, if our human interaction starts to um, uh, break down, then that's, that's very serious, especially in our young. Remember about three months ago, I was watching the telly, and this uh, advertisement came on. It was, it was for the new Motorola Razor phone. And it was one of these really slick, you know, adverts. This, it comes in, and it's got these points and, and so it kind of comes into to view and and then these two really sharp arrows that they created come to the razor and it and it kind of they move it in like three-dimensional and this thing and they're just showing it like this really slick latest greatest kind of thing and and then it's like android razor you know and then it says on something and something became self-aware well, I don't know how many of you relate to what that is, but that's directly from Terminator, when, when in, in the Terminator series, when Skynet, which is with the robots, became self-aware. And then that's when the robots struck back and started the whole series is based on starting to take over the human race and wipe out human beings. And it isn't so much that I believe that, you know, we're gonna, that robots are going to take over and kill us all off, but it was so striking because this phone is so advanced, and I mean, and this is already like redundant. This phone, <laughs> it, it updates. It doesn't have. It doesn't need to be on to update and do everything. While you're sleeping, it takes care of everything. I mean, that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> you only get a sledgehammer and you know, smash it. <laughs> I'll tell you when I want you to, you know, to sink or you know to put, you know, my emails in or something. So it was just very striking and. And we can see there's a certain momentum, isn't there, of, of technology and things. And yet, you and I have this opportunity to stay within, to stay with simplicity with the human condition 
and keep our feet on the ground. I'm not saying that technology is bad, and, and probably most all of us here are dependent on computer and modern technology in some way and, and use it skillfully. But if, if, if all the, the computers and iPads, iPods, iPhones, I, 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 I's died, I mean, would where, where would it, like would 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 I just be there with my mouth open and not knowing what to do? I would say, oh, what a relief, you know. All my eyes are gone. I no longer it's like you know Buddhist liberation. I no longer have an eye. <laughs> my my iPads, pods, and phones and and uh, are are uh, have all died and packed up. So what a relief. <laughs> So I'd, li- I'd like to, to leave uh, this evening with the the, uh, the reflection or the encouragement, really, to we have one day uh, left uh, together. Uh, we have a few more presentations, and to really encourage, because uh, all of us, as I said, that are have um, uh, put this together, um, really uh, value each of you. Each of you here has something to contribute, has something of value. And so not to be intimidated by, uh, you know, those of us that maybe have a little more experience in public speaking or whatever, that uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, we, we really do want to hear from everybody, as you're comfortable. We're not, you know, compelling, or we're not going to come around and, and uh, you know, put the mic and, you know, say speak, but really encourage you to kind of speak up something that, and, and, and trust me, that, that what you say is probably going to be, there's at least one other person in the room that's going to be thinking or contemplating a similar thing. So uh, I really believe that it will be of value uh, to, to the group to continue in, so uh, that, that uh, to the group as a whole. And that's really what we're with, this collective together and sharing this experience and, uh, of, of, our, of our human conditioning of of aging, illness, and and death. So I thank you for your uh, attention this evening. I didn't see anybody sleeping, so I at least must have kept everybody uh, awake. And uh, so I offer this for your uh, reflection and consideration uh, this evening. Thank you.
And my being cheap that is that I've been commissioned to do this. So. I'll leave one of the candles on uh, this evening, but 